are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, the reader and commentator on this four-volume, 2,500-plus page biography of the Blessed Virgin Mary, mystically received by Venerable Maria of Agreda. Today is day 14. We begin with chapter 8, and we'll begin with paragraph 94 and read through paragraph 98, which follows up the previous discourse of the explanation of the 12th chapter of the Apocalypse. The literal version of that chapter of the Apocalypse is as follows. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And being with child, she cried, travailing in birth, and was in pain to be delivered. And there was seen another sign in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, who was ready to be delivered, that when she should be delivered, he might devour her son. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her son was taken up to God and to his throne." And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, that there they should feed her a thousand, two hundred, and sixty days. And there was a great battle in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And they prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the dragon was cast out, that old serpent who is called the devil and Satan who seduceth, the whole world, and he was cast into the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, because the accuser of our brethren is cast forth, who accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you that dwell therein, Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil is come down unto you, having a great wrath, and knowing that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who brought forth the man-child. And there were given to the woman two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the desert and to her place, where she is nourished for a time, and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth after the woman water, as if it were a river, that he might cause her to be carried away by the river. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed the river, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was very angry against the woman, and went to make war with the rest of her seed, who keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he stood upon the sands of the sea." That concludes the reading from Revelation 12 here in this reading from the Mystical City of God. So now we continue. That was paragraph 94. We'll now read 95, which begins the commentary that Maria Vagrida wishes to offer us. Such are the words of the evangelist. He speaks in the past, because at that time was shown to him a vision of that which had already happened. He says, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. 
This sign appeared really in the heavens by divine disposition, and was shown to the good and the bad angels, in order that seeing it, they might subject their will to the pleasure and the commands of God. They sought, therefore, before the good ones chose the good, and before the bad ones had turned to evil. It was, as it were, a mirror of the wonderful perfection of the handiwork of God in creating human nature. Although he had already revealed this perfection to the angels in making known to them the mystery of the hypostatic union, yet he wished to reveal it to them also in a different manner, by showing it to them in a mere creature, the most perfect and holy which, next to the humanity of our Lord, he was to create. It was also a sign for the assurance of the good angels and for the confusion of the bad, since it manifested to them that, in spite of the offense which was committed, God would not let the decree of creating man be unfulfilled that the incarnate word and this woman, his mother, would please him infinitely more than the disobedient angels could ever displease him. This sign was also like the rainbow, which appeared after the flood in the clouds of heaven, as a guarantee that even if men should sin like the angels and become disobedient, they were not to be punished like the angels without remission, but would be furnished with salutary medicine and remedy by this wonderful sign. It was as if God said to the angels, I will not chastise in the same way the other creatures which I call into my existence, because this woman, in whom my only begotten is to assume flesh, belongs to that race. My son shall be the restorer of friendship and the pacifier of my justice. He shall open the way to felicity, which sin would close." In further testimony of this, after the punishment of the disobedient angels, God made use of the sign in order to show that his anger, which the pride of Lucifer had occasioned, was appeased and placated. And according to our way of understanding, he rejoiced in the presence of the queen. Thus represented in that image, he gave the angels to understand that, through Christ and his mother, he would now divert upon men the grace which the apostates had lost through their rebellion." There was also another effect of this great sign among the good angels, namely that since they had been, as it were, made sorrowful and made unhappy. Speaking according to our way of understanding, the Most High now wished to rejoice them with the sight of that image and to increase their essential beatitude by this accidental pleasure merited by their victory over Lucifer. Seeing the woman so full of clemency, Esther 4.11 Appearing to them as a sign of peace, they understood at once that the decree of punishment was not issued against them, since they had obeyed the precepts of the Lord and his divine will. Much of the mysteries and the sacraments of the Incarnation and those of the Church militant and its members were made manifest to them in this sign. They understood also that they were to assist, to help the human race, by watching over men, by defending them against their enemies, and by leading them to eternal felicity. They saw that they themselves would owe their felicity to the merits of the incarnate word, and that the Creator had preserved them also in grace through Christ, preordained to the divine mind. Just as all this was a great joy and happiness for the good angels, so it was a great torment for the evil spirits. It was to the latter, a part, and the beginning of their punishment, for they saw at once that having failed to profit by this sign, they were to be conquered and crushed by it. All these mysteries and many others which I cannot explain— The evangelists wished to comprehend in this chapter and include in that great sign, although for us it will remain obscure and enigmatic until the proper time arrives. The sun, which is mentioned as clothing the woman, 
is the true Son of Justice. The angels were to understand by it that the Most High was to remain with this woman by His grace in order to overshadow and defend her by the protection of His invincible right hand. The moon was beneath her feet. For as the two planets, the sun and the moon, divide night and day, therefore the moon, being the symbol of the darkness of sin, is beneath her feet. And the sun, being the symbol of the light of grace, clothes her for all eternity. Thus also the deficiencies of grace in all mortals must be beneath her feet, and never must rise either to soul or to her body, which on the contrary were to be superior to all angels and men. She alone was to be free from the darkness and the wanings of Lucifer and of Adam, treading them underfoot without their being able to gain any advantage over her. And just as she rose above all the guilt and effects of original and of actual sin, God now placed these in a symbolic manner under her feet, in order that the good angels might know, and the bad ones, though they did not attain full knowledge of the mysteries, might fear this woman even before she came into actual existence. This concludes our reading today from the Mystical City of God. We've been reading from chapter 8, paragraphs 94 through paragraph 98. Tomorrow we'll begin with paragraph 99. We hear this reading from Revelation 12 every time we go to Mass on the Holy Day of Obligation, that which is the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And when we celebrate the Assumption, we hear this, and so we automatically think that the woman is the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Maria Vagrada here is giving us an interpretation that, yes, the woman is the Blessed Mother. There have been modern biblical scholars since the last, let's say, 50, 60, 70 years uh, that really have tried to argue that really the woman is the church and that Mary is a secondary referent. And so this is quite controversial in Marian biblical studies. John Henry Newman actually tried to argue that Mary was the primary referent uh, in Revelation 12. I also believe that, so I would probably be in the minority camp of biblical scholars today. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm a Marian theologian, but I really think that it has to be Mary. And I, I apply this only because the church, we have a phrase in theology called lex orande lex credendi. The law of prayer equals the law of belief. So if we're going to propose this reading on the Feast of the Assumption, well, then we better believe that it is the Blessed Virgin Mary. The liturgy gives us the first reference to Revelation 12 uh, being the Blessed Mother. Now, I wrote a paper on this, and I was highly critiqued uh, in, in studies uh, as I wrote about this, but uh, I, I strongly believe that we need to look that this is the person of Mary. Now, there are other references as well. So people say, well, it's Israel. It's new Israel. You know, the, the list goes on and on. What's unique here in Maria of Agreda's interpretation is she's saying that the revelation vision is almost like the beginning of time, that it's this is a vision, and so we hear at the very end of our reading today, might fear this woman even before she came into actual existence. So she's saying this is even before Mary lived her life on earth, before she gave birth to the incarnate word of God. So I'm not really sure what to make of this interpretation, but I think we just sit with it, that here she is in the 1600s offering us this to think about, to contemplate, it's renewing in us a great interest in the scriptures as we look to Revelation 12, uh, 
But here's another reference to another scripture passage here. Seeing this woman so full of clemency, Esther 4.11. So that's one thing that we talk about when we refer to the Blessed Mother is that we look at the Old Testament and we can kind of shine the holy women from the Old Testament and see how their virtues are now a part of Mary. So, so she's doing that right here. Seeing this woman so full of clemency, so full of mercy, appearing to them as a sign of peace, they understood at once that the decree of punishment, so forth, so on. But I just think it's very beautiful when we look at the Old Testament. And we heard this earlier, too, uh, as we began our reading of the mystical city of God, that Mary is the burning bush. And so that burning bush of Moses, we see how it's Mary's perpetual virginity because it's never consumed. And so Mary is virgin before, during, and after. And so applying the Old Testament then to another aspect of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Sometimes when we talk about Revelation 12, uh, in terms of Marian apparitions, people say, well, Our Lady of Guadalupe, she's the woman of Revelation 12. She's a pregnant Madonna. She has the son. She has all of these things, all of these characteristics. And I keep that in mind. And it was interesting. As I was reading this, I circled this word. I cannot explain the evangelist's wish to comprehend in this chapter and include in that great sign. And I just think about Fatima too how Mary said that there would be a great sign. And what was the great sign? It was the miracle of the sun, the sun dancing in the sky. There Mary is, and there's the sun dancing. It's going to crash into the earth, and then it goes back up into the sky. It's just another way that I thought of Fatima as I was reading this today. We know that Mary is full of grace, and we know now that she is full of clemency. Let's ask Mary to be clement towards us. And we say that so often in the Hail Holy Queen. Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy, thine eyes of clemency toward us. And after this, our exile, show unto us, O blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Every time we pray that prayer, think about Mary being full of clemency. Thank you for joining me today for our reading from the mystical city of God. I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow as we continue to make our way through volume one of this book. God bless you and Mary pray for you.